Welcome aboard. I'm Brad. I'm Eric. And I'm Scott. Welcome to My Ship Story Podcast. This is a podcast where we invite crew members, both past and present, to tell their stories about life at sea. So come up to the pool bar and grab a drink. Sit back, relax, because it's time for My My Ship Ship Story. Story. (laughs) That was terrible. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of My Ship Story Podcast. I'm Brad. I'm your host today. Got with me, Scott and Eric. Let's check in with Eric. Eric, what you been up to today? Today was a bit of a rough day, so I won't go into it. But we, um, but looking really, really looking forward to having our guest today. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear some of these uh, ship stories because if there's any department or any person that's bound to have a lot of good ship stories, it's a security officer. Yeah, we we talk a lot about security and how to avoid security and where security is and all this stuff. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of intrigue today, I'm, I'm thinking. So, Scott, how about you? Got anything you need to share with us? Uh, I think I'm good. Uh, well, actually, I, just a small start. My One of my kids got a big part in a movie, um, a really big movie that's going to start filming. He, he'll be filming for 13 days. He's a, He'll be wow. a feature, featured in a really big film. With can't tell you the name of it right now, um, but um, it's got John Malkovich in it. So wow, I'm super excited. You know, and I saw that I saw that post, and I saw a picture of your kid, and I'm like, how can that be Scotty? How can that be him? He was just a little tiny guy, and now he looks like Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) Oh yeah, he's into the workout thing. He works out every single day, sometimes twice a day, and now he's into like a young kid working out um like a like he's super super buff he's way more fit fit than i would have ever been anyway but you know he eats like a freaking horse like you know (laughs) i mean uh, he'll probably eat like four eggs and an omelet with bacon and sausage and and you know and then he'll fix a sandwich while he's making it to eat with that and then a bowl after that and then then he comes in after he works out and, and does the same thing but that's it i'm excited to get to john and uh the uh, the security officer that uh, I could tell you right now, uh, where he may or may not remember that I've been busted by John a few times. That <laughs> probably one of them led into a written warning, I'm sure. But um, uh, missing the red curly hair, man. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, later, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm excited. All right. Well, introductions are in order. Um, welcome to the podcast john scullion thank you so much for being on no thank you brad it's a pleasure to be here especially amongst old shipmates and 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 people that that we we shared our lives with it's really nice yeah and let me point out that john is uh one of the first members of the deck department and our first uh security officer so exciting yeah. stuff. So dun, John, dun, dun. yeah. <laughs> so John, tell us a little bit about how you got started working on cruise ships, because I didn't, didn't you have kind of a Navy or military background, something like that? Most of the safety securities from the original nineties group came from ex British Royal Navy. And I had been with the Royal Navy in, in I was a communication specialist. And I got promoted to chief and got a, a, a job with another group out of communications and got the bug for security. Ended up leaving the Navy early after doing 16 years. First contract was with Seaborne in the Mediterranean. Nice. Uh, 
passenger count about 120, <laughs> um, crew count about 140. Um, really different way of life, really interesting. And after the cruise, I went back to the UK and waited and got a call for how would you like to be in the Sovereign of the Seas in San Juan, Puerto Rico on Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> and it's before the days of the internet, I mean, Sovereign of the Seas, I thought, oh, that must be a nice little ship. And what year was that? Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, what year? May. Oh, 91, 91, 90, right there with us. 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, activity for for a security officer on seaborne at sea it different way of life yeah do you yeah. remember what year and what ship it was uh, i think it was seaborne spirit and it was it would have been 90 okay oh, wow All right. so the seaborne okay. spirit was the one that just went out of service i i say just but it went out of service with seaborne recently in the last like five years or so fantastic uh, ships mate yeah yeah it was a really nice ship um yeah yeah nice Nice little ship. Now I got to jump in straight in here. Uh, why, so while we're on Seaborne, before we go to Royal Caribbean or, or other ships and stuff, um, was there an equally or was there plenty of uh, bus and crew members with passengers or did that happen on Seaborne? Did it happen on, on Royal? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shock does, surprise. Does a bear <laughs> shit in the woods? <laughs> Us, we're sorry, so sorry to shock you all these years later with all the with all the shenanigans that you never knew what was going on. Seaborne <laughs> was definitely different. The the passenger count, um, the the cabin, the the crew passenger ratio. Um, I, I think somebody's already come on and spoken about how there was one, one crew member per cabin per passenger on, on Seaborn. And it tended to be female stewardesses from Sweden, from Denmark, mm. Finland, Norway. Uh, and it was a very different environment. For the crew, relaxation wasn't so good. Well, uh, there was no crew spaces but, on that you know, small ship. Facilities yeah. for crew in Seaborn was not so good. So yeah. a little entertainment in like, why be so hard on, on people <laughs> i guess it was also like not big of a ship so there's not that far or many places to run and hide there was a better ratio to men and women crew on there rather you know as opposed to the you know the royal caribbean ships yeah there, there were much more lady crew members on seaborne my calling sovereign became a, an eye-opener i did my first contract with them the guy i took over from had, had resigned he had quit uh, the week before I arrived. So I arrived with a great staff captain called Arne Larson, who said to me, these are your keys, that's your office, good luck. <laughs> uh, and the, the culmination was, was the week of handover was one o'clock in the morning in San Juan on a Wednesday morning, the bridge saying, Security, the guard wants you to go and have a look in the forwards pantry because we think we have smoke and then oh, we have no. the fire. 
Oh, wow. oh no, that was your first cruise was the fire like first call? Call? That, that was the first contract, Eric. Holy cow. I was I was leaving. Uh, I was handing over to John Hearn and we were doing Puerto Rico. We were on standby. It was one o'clock in the morning. That's when the call came in. And then we the fire was different. It was um, like I think CJ Romano mentioned it. It was a little bit, mm, there, there was only one casualty, which I think she mentioned in her podcast, which was her ex-husband, and that was smoke inhalation. But other casualties, passengers, crew, nobody else. That was the fire that, wasn't it in the theater? Wasn't it like the curtains in the theater pantry, or something like that? It was a pantry in the Follies Lounge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what probably happened, what probably impacted it, is that there'd been some pilfering from the bars, um, from the pantries. And one of the managers decided to put in some sliding steel doors for security, but mm -hmm. he organized it himself with the engineers and nothing went on the ship's drawings and it wasn't an official structure. When the firefighting team went in in the smoke and, and masked up, and, uh, they ran into the wall. It wasn't supposed to be there. Oh no. <laughs> so they Holy thought, cow. So they then thought that they were going to the wrong place. So they turned back and started uh, looking towards the service elevator that was there that took you down to the pantry area on the provisions area on deck one. Uh, and they thought it, it was going down there. And then in the end, we had the Coast Guard come on. We had to evacuate the, the passengers, the guests, to the pier in San Juan, then started to bring them back in again. Then the fire reignited. So we sent them back out again. Wow. Um, it was interesting. Lots of people asking to open their safe deposit boxes on front of the person's desk. <laughs> There's a fire. Hey, run to your safety deposit box. Really, <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Can you imagine the person <laughs> at the front desk <laughs> in the middle of the night with everybody running at the at, to the safety deposit box? Oh and my when God. they came back in, the end of the first evacuation, one of them was complaining, this is the worst evacuation I've ever been on. <laughs> how, many, <laughs> how many evacuations have you been, been on? <laughs> <laughs> so you're the unlucky donor. <laughs> In reality, it, it was an experience. And then because of that, uh, Royal gave me a Norwegian contract. Before I was on a British contract, which was very similar to the, the hotel because oh. I was UK and not Norwegian. So then they gave me a Norwegian contract, which was the same as the Norwegians, one day on, one day off. Sweet. Yeah, those yeah, Norwegian those, contracts yeah. were yeah. Well, those were so union. Nice. They were union Yeah, contracts. they were union. And they were much, much better than any contract that anybody on the hotel side ever got. I hate exactly. to get political, but one of, one of my big bugaboos working on the ships, and, and I really wanted to organize a, a union on the ships among the hotel, was that I found out that the Norwegian union negotiated the hotel contracts. It's non-aligned personnel. They, they work yeah. on your behalf. Yeah, on our behalf. Yeah. I have to tell you a lot of, <laughs> uh, that's not the only cruise line that's done that from my experience from other lines. Uh, we, they, they've done the same sort of thing without really having whole, many hotel crew there to really kind of, you know, push for specific items, even though they're better now than they were back then. But I, I remember a lot of people, because I remember talking about that too, about unionizing and trying to unionize the hotel side, but it just never really got off the ground. 
But anyway, let's get off of that and get back hey, to you, John. Well, so, let me let me right before we leave the fire thing on the sovereign. So let me let me go back to that for one one uh, a question. Whoever the person that was that put in the doors without permission or planning or anything like that, did that person uh, get in trouble? Yeah, it got censored, man. What, what happened is John Hearn took over for me because I was supposed to go home. And in the end, instead of flying off the ship, I stayed on the Sovereign and joined the U.S. Coast Guard and Royal Caribbean investigation team. And we looked into the fire. We looked into the causes, what went right, what went wrong. There was a lot of things that went right, mate, but there were a lot of things that, to be honest about it, I'll give you one example. Standing up on deck seven above the upper level of Paulie's, waiting for the firefighting team to arrive. And I could feel this gust of air hitting me on the back of the neck. And then it stopped. And then a gust of air hit me in the back of the neck. And I turned around to the promenade deck doors, the sliding, if you remember from the Majesty Sovereign, those yeah. doors, mate, they oh. had sensors on them in the early days. Uh, and there was a passenger with his video camera standing in front of the door on the outside uh, trying to video me and the rest of the firefighting activities. And it was working like a bellows, like this. Oh, air. oh the doors are going shh, shh. Automatically yeah. opening and closing, yeah. yeah. Feeding that oxygen. Yeah. yeah, so we learned a lot of lessons from, from, from that incident. Right? Probably, I think CJ mentioned the cherries. The worst thing of the fire was probably the, the, the what we would say in Spanish, the botanas, uh, the snacks. The little snacks, peanuts, the uh -huh. fried peanuts oh, right, uh, right, right. that you get as the side dish with, with your drink, uh, because they were already pre-cooked in oil. The pretzels, all the pretzels had been pre-cooked in oil. So when the fire finally got to them, they oh, were giving us some- really, Like exploded. No, nasty smoke, Scott. The, uh, a, lot of, a, the, a lot of the reason the Polys went out of, of business for six weeks was smoke damage as opposed to things that actually burned uh, yeah. because the, the heat transferred from the pantry into the seating area, into the sound booth. And then we had so much smoke that was coming from the pretzels and from all these bar snacks. That's, that's, so, just, that's so weird. <laughs> that is bizarre. I can, remember, I can remember the week after I left officially, but was part of the investigation team. And we were down on the aft deck with this Coast Guard captain with a cigarette lighter, trying to light a pretzel. Like <laughs> the crew were walking past going, really? <laughs> really? and we don't even do Jamaica, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's too funny. Oh man. That's All right, wild. well, um, hey man, that was a good story. So let's let's get into a ship story. You want to? You're formed up. Yes, please, mate. I have my I have my my name is John Scullion, and this is my ship story. As, as security, a lot of people tend to find that we are always there. We're always present. We're always in their hair, and for some reason, they perceive that we're there just to apply the ship's rules. In the years that I was with Royal, I spent most of my time in investigations and, and criminal interdiction more than anything. For those of you who know me, uh, Ocho Rios, I was six years on the Majesty, and I spent my six years on the Majesty looking on the piers, looking on the gangways, looking everywhere. One story I do remember about that's probably never been published was uh, a Majesty Christmas cruise uh, there were a couple of guests who had come on the cruise and 
you can tell when people are there for vacation and when they're not. And these people were, were, were there on business. They didn't go to Christmas dinner in the restaurant, which was really unusual for US guests to come on board. Definitely, they go to Christmas dinner. We arrived back in Miami at the end of the cruise, and customs were on a skeleton crew, and they had the dog, and they said, would you like to check one of the cabins? Is there anyone you'd, you'd be interested in checking? I said, well, there's this couple who's a little bit unusual activity-wise. And they said, okay, we can give it a run. So we arrived up at the cabin, and normally what we also did, we picked the trick up from from the purses with their practical jokes. Before I knocked the door of the cabin, I used to take off the suction, the vacuum of the toilet from outside so nothing, yeah. could, be, so nothing could be flushed away. Oh, yeah. And another story, it, it was successful. But in this case, we knocked the door. The guy answered the door and he came out really pale. And he said, oops. <laughs> what a pro yeah. did, he, did he look down because one of the dogs passed out because he was uh, overwhelmed no it got even better actually scott th that point of view it got even better because and i'll tell you the, the the tail end of the story but he got a little pale and he saw the dog and he said because i was in uniform he said can i speak to you I said, of course. He said, no, but privately. I said, no problem. And he said, I have a little problem. When we were in Cayman Islands, I stole a, tur a turtle. <laughs> I said, you what? He said, when we went to Cayman, I stole a turtle. I said, you know, that's not so good. You know, that's against the law. Not good for the environment. It's definitely not good for endangered species. But these gentlemen are from U.S. Customs, and they'll discuss it with you after. But firstly, what they have to do is, if there's anybody else in the room, you have to ask them to step outside, wait near the door, and the dog will go in with, with the handler, and I'll observe the process on your behalf and make sure nothing untoward happens to your, your property. He said, okay, thanks. So he calls the girl out. She goes and waits. She's paler than him, and she goes and waits beside him. And the dog goes in, and the handler comes back out, and he said, John, it's your choice. You can tell him, or we can tell him. You're the reason we're here, so we think you would like to tell him. So I said to the guy, what is it? I said, good news and bad news. He said, yeah. I said, the good news is the turtle is dead. <laughs> <laughs> that's good news is because if it was a live creature the fine is much more severe than if it's dead uh, if it was alive your fine would be astronomical because it's an endangered species but because it's a dead creature the fine is reduced i said the bad news is that it killed itself eating the marijuana you got stuffed in the <laughs> <laughs> the 5.5 5 pounds of marijuana that you've smuggled on board the ship have how much Five, how much? Five and a half pounds. It yeah. wasn't personal use. No, no, not five and a half. Five and a half pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, Good and, God. and afterwards, the, you go to the end, Scott. They had actually, it was their first time they'd done it, and they ah. videoed themselves in the house in Jamaica, getting <laughs> strapped up and putting the stuff on, and that was with the video as well. Like, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, talk about dumb criminals. God <laughs> dang. <laughs> oh my god. You'd have to think if they had just smoked a little bit of it, they probably would have had the Christmas dinner and wouldn't have been noticed. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, there, in the end, Eric, there was a lot more. We, you and I, Brad, Scott, we, we know a person who's on vacation. Yeah. Uh, yeah you can tell. Yeah, you've, you've had these people you've met and you said you could generally during the cruise, especially those Jamaica cruises, you generally could spot. OK, that's the person who's going to get arrested in Jamaica. Like you could if you saw a lot of the same people around, you could pinpoint like, OK, this is the person who's going to have trouble here. And it, it, it usually came true. But mostly, mate, mostly it was it was people who ate. um Room service on Captain's Gala night. Room service. Oh, okay. Uh, because they didn't have the, the they didn't right. have the tuxedo. They didn't have the fancy dress. They used to yeah. go room service, and then they wouldn't tip the waiter. Uh, sorry, man. We did. We we would have no idea. We were just looking for the family that had the hottest daughter. <laughs> hey, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> or or son. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, so, no, no. <laughs> so, but there was an awful lot of it happening on the Jamaica run, like you said, Eric. Yeah. But, but really, mate. Well, um, hey, let, let me let me ask you, um, because there was a there was a very very large, and I think at the time it was the largest drunk ring bust on a cruise ship in history at the time, and it was on the Majesty, and it was the, uh, I believe that it involved a mini sub. Um, welding boxes of drugs on the bottom of the ship over one of the hydroplane things or they started off mate, with with three boxes were you there john hearn had taken over on the majesty i okay. think john hearn brought majesty out from france yeah uh, yeah and john that's the john that i was talking about. that's the john mate. <laughs> that and, is john, john said to me part of your handover we have these three big metal boxes they had welded them together They'd actually welded eye bolts onto the side of the ship while in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And they'd gone out probably two days or one night before and dropped them on the, the, the bottom of the, the seabed underneath where the ship was going to be berthed in the old uh, James Bond pier. Mm -hmm. Remember the first pier we yeah. used to go to? Yeah. Uh, and they had dropped them onto the seabed. And then on the day the ship came in, they just hold them up and welded them onto the side. But because they were metal, they were moving uh, and they yeah. get detected. Two weeks after I joined, we got the next box and it was down to one box and it, and it was ganja and it was like 150 pounds total weight inside. Wow. So it was big boxes because I was on board when the first time around, I think it was with John Hearn and I was on board. I was a part of the purser's desk because I remember that passengers were calling, complaining about the banging. Noise. Oh, the banging apparently. Yeah, was it was pretty, it was really bad. So we had passengers more than one calling saying they couldn't sleep because after they sailed from Jamaica that night was when the complaints started coming in. So from what I recall, they stopped the ship and sent divers down uh, yeah, to they take recovered a look. the boxes, Eric, all yeah. three of them. So there's a couple of different versions of this, like the, the one that I remember and tell me if I'm if I'm wrong or not. But they so when when they because they stopped on the way to Coco Cay or when they were in Coco yeah. Cay, they went down and saw the boxes, didn't say anything, didn't tell anybody, informed Miami, DEA, Coast Guard, whoever, whatever. And when we came into Miami um, while the 
while the ship was going through clearing and stuff, you know, they waited for someone to came come and take the boxes or deweld or that one. Scott was a sausage. That one, the one that you're mentioning. After the three boxes, we then had one single box, and because we kept detecting metal boxes because they kept banging on the side. The next thing happened was we sailed Ochini on the Wednesday, and Wednesday about six o'clock at night, six thirty. The bridge tried to put out the starboard stabilizers because we were okay. heading into a little bit of bumpy seas and the stabilizers wouldn't go out. Right, because they weld them over part of the stabilizer. No, because what they've done is they've taken a vulcanized sausage full of marijuana and tied it inside the housing of the stabilizer. Wow. Oh. And they wrote the, they wrote the stabilizer closed uh, so they could keep this sausage in place. It was vulcanized rubber, and the total weight in the end mate was about 150 pounds of marijuana. Wow, that's huge. But I think the three boxes, and if you can correct me, I think the three box one, the ship did stop, and they yeah. they, they cut them loose or whatever to avoid the noise from continuing. No, I think they were actually recovered, Eric, because John Hearn showed me them. If you remember, security and safety's office in those days and Madge were across yeah. from each other, and uh -huh. we had the two isolation cells. I can remember right. John Hearn taking me into isolation one and showing me these three metal boxes, one of which had been cut open by the engineers. Right. And I think the total weight was about, for the three boxes, mate, about 500. Oh, the wow. Next, the next box we actually recovered in the Bahamas because we were doing the Bahamas in that run. And that was a metal one. What happened, it was a member of the Filipino musician group. Uh, the Rosario Springs. Yeah, yeah, I remember. We had them. been on the after deck at about four o'clock in the afternoon in Ochi and looked down and saw some bubbles going away from the ship's stern. <laughs> that's like the little sub. Yeah, yeah, and that's why we linked it to the sausage in the end. Neil Hockaday was the safety officer then. Uh, Neil was ex Marine and he went down and he, he dove and saw the sausage. And Miami said, leave it there. Unless you really need the stabilizers leave it there. And we waited all day Miami to about two o'clock to see if somebody would come and recover. Nobody ever came. Huh. Well, that's uh, weird. All right. Well, let's get away from that. And uh, John, <laughs> let's, let's get another, let's get another story going. Yes. Snoopy mate. We had a Snoopy cruise on the Voyager. We, on the Voyager, we did a Snoopy cruise. A Snoopy cruise? What's that? Yeah. You know, Snoopy, the pup, the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had a Snoopy group come on the Voyager. I don't know what that is. Snoopy. The Snoopy group that does Did people like dress Snoopy? up as Snoopy or Snoopy. They dress up as Snoopy. They have Snoopy earrings, socks, shorts, t-shirt, hats, everything with the Snoopy uh -huh. uh, dog on 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 their clothes. Like God, people real, are so weird. Yeah, people are dedicated weird. group. Uh, <laughs> everything was into Snoopy. And the safety officer in that day was Tug Wilson, uh, who's now like fleet safety officer. And Tug and I were on the cruise and the staff captain calls us up and says, we have a bit of a problem. But, but we, uh, some, because what, what had happened is for the cruise, they had brought some Snoopy costumes. So that on um, front of the show and for dinner, they, they could have their photographs taken with Snoopy which is okay. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, somebody went into the cabin. They were keeping the Snoopy costume, got it, and went into the gift shops. Oh, like, grabbed and some robbed them? Of, <laughs> grabbed some bottles of whiskey. 
Snoopy. Grab some, <laughs> <laughs> grab some bottles of tequila, Snoopy. Uh, oh my God, that's too funny. Uh, this person in the Snoopy suit, I think he probably went through the gift shops like one day and he took maybe about $800 worth of whiskey and tequila. Wow. <laughs> and the staff captain says, and we have to find out who it is. <laughs> you have to decode who Snoopy <laughs> is. <laughs> really? Uh, we have to find out who Snoopy is. And Snoopy's a Let dog your investigation background, really. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to him, of course, you know what happens when this type of thing comes up. I said to him, we have no leads. <laughs> He said, <laughs> and being a Norwegian staff captain, he said, yeah. we have no leads. You know, like, Snoopy. Yeah, leads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I said, you want us to pause our investigation? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think Tug said, but boss, we're dog tired. <laughs> and all the funds we could think of were coming up. And I don't think we ever caught Snoopy. No, never. Oh my God, that's too funny! Oh man, yeah. that is wild. What is that? What would you say the most? What's the most bizarre, wild thing that you remember? Bizarre and wild. Define bizarre and wild, man. <laughs> Good, um, bad, or ugly. Lots of incidents where we had accusations of assault, um, where we had interaction that was not appropriate. Lots of types of in incidents like that, man. None that you would consider that I, I'd like to go into in depth, you know what I mean? Oh, okay. And um, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of this involved people drinking way too much. Also, people may be a little bit immature. Uh, um, yeah. Not considering the consequences to perhaps their cabin mates doing things that perhaps are not appropriate. Weird things, crazy things. We used to have the dopamine the patch. I, I don't know if you remember the early 90s. Mm -hmm. um, people who were getting seasick oh, yeah. would, would put on a patch. The patch had side effects. We had one lady turn up in the dining room of the Sovereign uh, with a patch on uh, and no, 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 no upper clothing. <laughs> uh, Bless um, her heart. Situations like that, there's nothing in the book. You have to basically, you, you, you have to play it by ear. There, there are some situations that, that are normal, inverted commas, and you think, oh, it goes this way. Uh, I mean, I, I got sucker punched once by a kid outside the disco who was 17 years of age, and I learned a lesson. Wait, so I have a quick question for you. What was the more senior ranking officer that got busted by the security department entering or leaving a passenger cabin? And you don't have to tell me the name, just like the what what is the most senior rank that Let got me you check my styles here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me check the files. So, um, but you can recall, obviously. Let's let's hear staff captain. I, I, I think there was one incident. Um, I believe it was Our Majesty, uh, where we had a group of people celebrating from the deck and engine department boiled over into the guest disco and it caused quite a scene and they were quite senior people. When I had an incident, no matter who it was, I wrote it up. My job was to investigate, to write it up. Um, the other people make the decisions. If nothing happened, uh, um, I can remember one case where um, there was a crew member going to be fired 
because of interaction. The same night report mentioned uh, a deck officer. Mm -hmm. And I had said to the staff captain before the, in the pre-hearing talks, I said, so, so both of them are, are facing the same consequence. I got no response, but the crew member never got fired. Well, that's, that's the right way to do it, right? It's just, you know, if you're going to call out one person for that behavior, you cannot, you know, let the one off the hook without the other one. No, you, you're uh, John, it wasn't your call. It wasn't your call. All no. you were saying is this is what happened. You right. guys, you guys make the decisions. I don't know, you know, how many sort of in the first couple of years, I once got told to stop what I was doing in security, which was oh, my wow. first two contracts on the sovereign. I actually got stopped. No more. Uh, no wow. more what? Investigating? Doing no the job that they hired you for? No, no more investigation. You're too good. Quit it. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're losing too many crew members. Oh, oh wow. Oh, <laughs> wow. Uh, we had, I'm not, I'm not sure if, if you heard. Thank God that I was later on the match. <laughs> uh, one, one of the chief persons said to me, John, I've got a real problem. I've got a letter from this guest complaining about their credit card and their telephone card being ripped off while they were on board the ship. And they have... Um, I think bills of about $20,000 oh. on their phone card. Wow. And I said, so what's the office saying? And the office said, uh, the telephone company will probably negate the, the bill, but the guest is still writing to me very unhappy. So I went to Abna Ayala Ventura, mm -hmm. who was the crew person then. Uh, and I said, Abner, the chief's unhappy. We have to do something. We have to find out who's Who's, who's doing this? We had the first original telephone uh, bill and we identified that two or three numbers were from Bluefields, Nicaragua. So Abner called Bluefields, Nicaragua, saying that he was a crew member who had met somebody else from Royal Caribbean at the airport and that Abner worked for Carnival and this guy had said to him, if you ever want a job with Royal Caribbean, get in touch with me. And the phone number that answered was a hotel in Bluefields, Nicaragua. Bluefields. We don't, we don't know who you're, you're speaking to. What then we did, as I said, Abner, we have to have a, another solution. So I printed out in the deck and engine office, uh, human resources updated next of kin form. Abner and I went around late at night putting one in every door, crew staff, first at every door, not just the crew members, the, the cleaners, the stewards, the waiters, we put it in every door, the deck and engine door, the first officer's door, every door had this form. And Abner collected them in. And then what we did is we went through the phone numbers of the bill. We went through the Mexican phone numbers that were returned to us. And we got nobody, all the crew. Then the captain steward came back from vacation. Abner gave him his new next to kin detail form. And one of the numbers that he wrote was on the list. And he said, this is the number of my daughter. And she's in a relationship with one of the cleaners, blah, blah, blah. And the cleaners were helping. You remember the cleaners used to go in and help the cabin stewards through the, the bathroom yeah. areas. Yeah. They were going in and writing down credit card and phone card numbers from people's wallets and then selling it in St. Thomas and San Juan. Wow. And we, in the end up, I think we, we rolled up about 15 people. That is heavy. Stop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, because 
mainly from the cleaning and swimming pool department, swimming pool attendants. You would think that that would be pretty easy to hire more of those same crew. Because um, when you said it was from Bluefields, I immediately thought, okay, that's housekeeping, because that's where the there was a lot of housekeeping people that came from Bluefields, Nicaragua. Yeah. So, John Scullion is a real Magnum PI. Yeah. <laughs> so we had, thank you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so we had the, 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 the tale of the story was all my Filipino guards were like, ah, oh, the boss, didn't we do well this week? We really did good. And they were telling everybody from the deck and engine group. And they were saying that there's a big fraud going around the ships at the moment with these stolen card numbers. Uh, be careful. So one of the guards comes to me the next day after we had been in San Juan. He said, one of the engineering ratings wants to speak to you. And I said, of course, no problem. The engineer comes in to me and this is what happens. He went up to the calling station in old San Juan. And as he was getting to the calling station, a voice said, yeah, do you want to call home unlimited time, $50? And the guy's like, that's a lot of money for a Filipino crew member. That's a lot of money. And the guy said, but unlimited, $50. Because he's thinking, oh, it's one of these numbers that John's team have just been working on. It's one of these stolen numbers. So the guy says to him, okay, write down here your number and go over there and wait. And I'll call you once we're connected because I don't want you to steal the number I'm going to use. So wait over there. So the engine guy waits. The guy makes a connection and says, here, speak to your family. And the guy's speaking to his son, his daughter, his um, uncle, everybody in the family. And then his wife comes on and he's speaking to his wife for about an hour. And his wife says, okay, look, I really have to interrupt you. What's the emergency? Are you coming home? And he said, oh, no. He said, I don't understand. She said, well, why else would you call collect? <laughs> oh. Oops. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> so maybe, Scott, that's not, maybe that's one of your weird, strange ones with a, stick, <laughs> with a, a sting in the tail. Maybe. Man. Uh, not a lot I could do. Not no, a lot that I is wild. Do. So let, let, me, let me ask about um, uh, internally in uh, the security department, did any of the Filipino security guards or anybody um, ever hook up with a passenger? When I first joined the Mads night, we had one guy who was, was very close to lots of people, crew members and passengers. He had a habit. We, in the end, he, he resigned from, from us. He had a habit. If you remember on Madge, it was deck two was the entrance for the crew. Uh, and the mm -hmm. crew used to go through the searches and checks there. And this guy used to always go to, always go to the bathroom during his shift for about 25 minutes. And what would happen is the other teammate would then not be able to search everybody. So he would wave people through. So he was mm, by association probably working for the other side. And mm. it was rumored as well that he was being friendly with, with some guests. So in the end, the environment for him wasn't so positive after I took over right. and, and he quit. Wow. Let me ask you this. Let me turn it around here. Did you guys, did you and your security team ever have discussions about, hey, let's, I, I think something's going on with a certain crew member, like, for instance, Scott, like, um, <laughs> 
hey, so what did you, I, I what think did you do? this guy, <laughs> I think this guy is hooking up with passengers. Let's keep an eye on him. Did you do? Did you ever have those kind of discussions? Um, there were a lot of the time quite obvious, mate, of what was going on with certain people. There's also a profile for specific crew members. Yes, Shit. they work in entertainment. <laughs> uh, like you could see what, what was what was sad a lot of the times was really dedicated hard workers losing their job because of what was Bitches. maybe a one-off. Yeah, maybe the alcohol taking over, or maybe not a one-off. Maybe it was like first time he'd been caught. We uh, we also knew like there were certain officers that had a reputation for being in the nightclub, you know, looking for that. And, you know, we knew who they were that we worked with. Um, so if we knew about it, then John's team obviously knew about it as well, because, you know, you know who's coming in and out all the time. I, I remember seeing John walk in the front door of the On Your Toes disco at about 1.25. And everybody leaves out the back door. We're about out of time. But I've got to ask you this question, because one of the main stories you, you got mentioned on in was um, Gary Mulcahy's story about when he stole a, a hat from a police officer. Do you remember any of that? No, not really, mate. Gary's about <laughs> the only one. I, Gary from the gift shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the only one that I haven't gone through. Maybe I should, <laughs> maybe I should check it out. Um, yeah, you should probably check that one out. Yeah. I, I, I'm not being flippant on that side, but to be honest, if it was majesty, mate, the main place of, of activity for me tended to be Wednesday, tended to be Ochi. I had days where something happened on the Wednesday and I would get to sleep on a Friday because... I was the investigator. I was the the DA, as you want to put it. I was supposed to be everything uh, related to, uh, and it also depended on the sensitivity of, of the, the incident. Jamaican customs, Jamaican immigration, the reggae. If you remember the reggae band and dancers who used to come on the Majesty uh, and do the limbo dancing beside yeah. the pool. They got stopped because one of them started getting into the business. Oh, but I have a question about that. I had heard, and I don't know if this was rumor this really happened, that one of the immigration officers from Jamaica that had come on got busted for bringing uh, two some of them drunks. Their names two of were them. Maze and Palmer. There you go. Wow. They, they, got, they got nine years. Nine years? They got nine years and they nine years hard labor. And the judge threw the book at them and said that they had let down the, the, the integrity and the the, the pride the proud name of Jamaica. Yeah, Woo! no, it's true. I mean, so I thought had I had heard that, but I didn't know what had happened. I didn't know if it was one or two people, but wow. And Those who were two, these people? Immigration uh, they were, officers, they were, oh, okay. customs and immigration. Customs and immigration. Yeah. So at, when, when, when we when we went to with Voyager to Jamaica for the first time, the agent, if you remember the agent in those days, Carl Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Of course. Yeah. Carl, yeah, Carl was, well. Carl was excellent. Yeah. Carl oh, had a great. lot of contacts because he used to shoot for the Jamaican national team. And Carl told the local authorities, "These people don't have to come here. Look what's on this ship. If you want to have these people come here, uh, you need to reduce the risk to the ship." And clearance for the first three to six months of Voyager going to Ocho Rios was conducted ashore in the quickest of time uh, oh, wow. the officials the officials only came on later for their breakfast but those two were called Mason and palmer 
and John Hearn was on the, the Voyager, uh, pardon me, John Hearn was there when, when he, they actually got um, taken down. Yeah, John Hearn seemed to be, at a, I'd like to find out where John is too, because he was around a lot of those type of, you know, pretty big things that went on on the Majesty. Were you there, mate, when John got attacked from the guy that was in the brig? John put a guy, walked, walked the guy up for violence in, in the isolation room. Crew member or guy, passenger? Uh, crew member. And the, the, the guy broke through the window, climbed onto the pier through the window, came back on the crew gangway and tried to get to John. Wow. Should have kept running, buddy. (laughs) I was going to say, there's just so many stories that, especially from the security department, this is why we wanted to have you on because you could verify. We all have like, you know, a snippet of the information of what had happened. And it was always rumors that spread very quickly as to this happened or that happened. And uh, did you catch this? But of course, the security department and safety department would know the details around exactly what happened because you were the ones doing the investigation. Do you have another story you want to share with us? One of the saddest ones that I, and I think that you've mentioned about it was the refugees, the Cuban refugees. Majesty was the first ship that actually picked up after the Clinton introduced the dry fruit, wet fruit. Yeah. Um, and we were the first group that were returned back to, I think they ended up in Havana. They didn't go to Chile. But then there was a subsequent group that totaled about 50 people from three different boats. What really made the problem that these people were risking their lives on the high seas. I I have a picture. I think I have the picture of the original 13 that that were returned to, to Cuba. Uh, I think I was on at that time as well, because I remember it was, it was heartbreaking because again, I, you know, my parents came from Cuba, so I I know the story very well. So it was heartbreaking and that they didn't know, but they kind of figured something was wrong, but you know, cause I heard them talking to one another, but it was so sad that they, you know, that, that we, we sent them back into, I'm sure they were going to jail. They were, you know, or worse that could have happened to them. It was just so wrong these people risk their lives to go out to sea in these, these unseaworthy crafts, you know, risking their lives rather die than stay in Cuba. And what do we do? We send them back. No, tragic, mate. I remember, uh, I remember when that happened, you know, because we were, we were totally balling out like uh, a spark just among uh, each other. And we didn't really fully understand that, but um, the stage staff and I were standing on deck filming it. John, if you actually go back and look at the videos and uh, on the Facebook group, um, I, there's some video that I shot of a big blue raft and we pulled them on and they pulled the raft into the security office area and stuff like that. But we were pissed off. We were like, you know, how come, you know, how come the carnival ship just, you know, moved on by and they kept going. Totally now we realize that they were like, just let them go, let them go. But, you know, here we are, we pick them up and then we ship them back. And, and so now that, really sucks to know that yeah, well just I, to be I clear think, it wasn't us it yeah, wasn't I, us Royal Caribbean it was the yeah. U.S. government who made that decision that's and, right and I, correct. Think, I, I think all all cruise lines then changed their route uh, after I, I remember we had a group and the young we gave them change of clothing and the clothing that we had were ship-shaped t-shirts and ship-shaped okay. shorts the luminous ones and CNN filmed them returning to Havana wearing the Royal Caribbean um, t-shirts and shorts. Oh. And the bus, the, remember we used to have a, a bus with a get out there, the Royal Caribbean 
decal logo and everything. And I think it got stoned on the way from the airport to Miami that yep. Sunday that obviously was going that, to sell. That's exactly right. I remember that, that the buses, they had to, they couldn't use buses that had the RCL logos on them because the first one that came back, there was all sorts of protests at the pier and they were throwing rocks. And I'll be the first one to admit, Cubans are a little crazy. And so they were just out there throwing rocks at the buses and all that. And it was like, listen, it wasn't royal who did it? This was the, the U.S. government who demanded that this was the new law. They, you know, they have to abide by the law. Um, I remember the Coast Guard ship coming up next to next to the ship and transferring them over from the Coast Guard, from the, the Majesty over to the Coast Guard ship. Let's wrap it up here. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It was great to see you again. I have to share this one with you. I can't tell what that what is. is that? Oh, that's a money with who, whose face is on that? This it's is a pesos. Cuban twenty pesos. Cuban pesos, right? A Cuban oh, wow. pesos. Oh wow! It was given to me by the first four people we rescued, refugees who were oh. returned to Miami when I was on the Majesty. Uh, the three of the guys were called Jorge. If you're going to get in a in a raft together, all have the same name. Jorge <laughs> <laughs> one, Jorge two, Jorge three. They gave me it, and it said to John de los Cubanos, and and this one I keep. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. This one yeah. I keep. John, you oh, look fantastic. Right. Thanks for thank coming you, on. John. Yes, thank, thank you, John. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Ciao, thank ciao. Oh my okay, gosh. Brad, great job in getting him uh, to join the podcast because that, that was great. That was really, really fun. Yeah. I was so I knew, excited was to see be. him. Like, you know, I mean, we've we've been through probably not, not good stuff, but I do remember having good and fun conversations with him. And He's such a great guy, such a friendly guy, and just biz business is business. But um, man, that was great, great seeing We've got a really special podcast coming up soon, and hopefully it includes you. Our 100th episode is coming up pretty quick, so we wanted to have a group together. If you're a listener, if you're a previous guest, doesn't matter. We want to invite you to come on our 100th episode. Tell us a little bit about what you liked about our previous 99 episodes, maybe something that you remember by hearing someone else. Maybe you want to say something about uh, one of our previous guests, if you'd like to have them back on for season three. We want to hear from you. So come on the podcast. We're going to announce a date. Join us on our 100th episode. Hey, everyone. The ship is about to set sail, which brings us to an end for today. We hope that you enjoy the podcast. For bonus audio and if you would like to see this podcast and video, please visit our YouTube channel, My Ship Story. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as My Ship Story. Don't forget to let us know if you're a past or present crew member and if you have a story that you would like to tell or if you like, you can email us your story for us to read on the air. Email us at myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. That's myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. Goodbye for now, and be sure to tune in next week, same time, as we'll have a new podcast every Monday. Bon voyage!